Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another Pure Victory Podcast episode. Matt and Braden here. And hey, before we get going today, we're really excited to announce something that's upcoming starting October 3rd all the way to December 5th. It's a 10-week webinar series that's running every Saturday morning for 10 weeks in a row. There's different topics, there's different speakers, there's something for everybody. And the heart of this is that in the last couple of years, we've ran the Victory Conference in Edmonton where we live here. And we've had a great partnership with the local church, and it's been been live in person. But obviously, in this COVIDic time that we've been been in, everything went online. And, and I think one of the blessings was that we could expand our reach and think bigger and think differently. And so this webinar series is kind of a replacement for the Victory Conference that we've done. It's just really had great success and great impact. And so we're really excited for this Porneo webinar series. And, and we encourage you to go to restoredministries.ca. You can check out all the info. You can register for one webinar. You can register for all 10 at a, at a discounted rate. There's going to be interaction. There's Q&A with the speakers. It's going to be awesome. So there's topics for wives. There's things that youth and pastors can benefit from. If you're struggling with porn, if you want to help someone that struggles with porn, for men, for women, there's really something for everybody. So restoredministries.ca, you can check out the Pornea webinar series, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah, we really would love to see you there. And tell people about the event. Tell your pastors, tell people in your your friends, community, your family, whatever else. Let people know. We would just like to have greater impact, so get the word out. And today we're talking about something that is exciting for us to talk about because it's so foundational to any kind of battling of an addiction, but not only that, our life. This is really about a life 
foundational principle that will help us in all aspects of um, our world and, and moving forward, even away from things like pornography. So what we're talking about is identity, our identity. And now you might be wondering, what do you mean by that? <laughs> identity is really what we believe about ourselves and our life, the lens we look at ourselves through and the, our world through. And often we're st- we steer towards certain things based out of that belief, whatever we believe about ourselves. And we're going to break down what this means. And I'm just going to share, I mean, we're both going to have stories about this too, but I'm going to share a story kind of what this looked like in my life. So it gives you some context. So identity is something that was huge in shaping my life. And to give you some understanding of my background, there was a period of time where I wasn't following Jesus. And that included for me living kind of how the world lives, you know, I was, I was into partying, um, drugs, alcohol, you name it, I did it. And anyways, this was kind of where I was into my late teens and even a little bit into my early twenties. So what I believed about myself really led me down that path too. I thought that I wasn't accepted. I didn't think that people would accept me for who I was. So I tried to give into that peer pressure and, you know, living out of that. And that steered where I was going in life of what I believed about myself. So what happened to me was I was living this life and it was one warm summer night. I was with a couple of friends actually, and we were, we were in the West End here in Edmonton and we were at a club and they pulled me aside and they said, you're the designated driver tonight. Uh, take us to the South Side. We want to get some drugs. And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> so anyways, I hopped in my car with my two buddies and we drove to the South Side and I was in a bad car accident just to to kind of speed things up here in my story. But what happened was a young kid who had his first kind of day of of having his driver's license, he ran a red light and I hit his car full force, full head on. And it was a devastating car wreck and it was a miracle nobody was killed in this accident. And it wasn't my fault, this accident, but in the aftermath of, of it, I felt God really speak to me. And it wasn't one of those things where the world stops, the clouds part and the spotlight shines down on me and I hear God's voice. It was an impression and it was a moment of acceptance. I didn't deserve to be accepted in that moment because I knew I was going to get drugs. I wasn't doing good things that night, but God spoke and said, Hey, I love you enough to let you keep going down that road because I'm not going to force you to do anything. But if you follow me, I have something so much better for you. And you know what? That shifted my understanding of who I was because up to that point, I thought that I had to earn God's affection and love. I thought that I had to live a certain way for him to accept me. And so when I didn't feel like I matched up to that, I just stopped trying. And when I stopped trying, I I started living a different way. But when God said, I accept you where you are now, follow me. That changed my life. It changed what I believed about myself. It changed what I believed about the world I lived in. It changed what I believed about God. And when I did that, yeah, my my foundation changed as well. I was on firm ground and I lived out of that. And there's way more to this story, but I wanted to share it with you because understanding my identity and who I was, that I am accepted, that God does love me, that he has something for me, a purpose. When I understood these things, I lived differently. And that's kind of what we're breaking down here. So, sorry, that was a little long-winded. Matt, you talk now. Well, I love it because it's like you say, you you weren't doing the right thing. You're out, you know, at the club and going for drugs and you're taking drugs that time in your life. And God didn't even speak to you about that stuff. He didn't say like, hey, stop doing that or whatever. He, he said, hey, I got better things for you. Like 
in the midst of you sinning and doing drugs, when he looked at you, he saw all of the stuff that he could do with you and through you. And that's amazing. And I think that that's so powerful for us to know that God just continually loves us and sees the best plans that he has for us. He sees us so differently than we see ourselves. And I remember one time, just a quick story, where I wasn't spending really time with the Lord. I, I was uh, neglecting it in prayer and in the Bible. And I had had really amazing times with the Lord. And so now in this period of time where I wasn't, I was really missing him and I was missing just those times, but I wasn't prioritizing it. And so I was feeling so guilty. And I remember in a church service praying and and telling God, like, I miss spending time with you and I'm sorry that I haven't been. And all he said to me was, Matt, I still know who you are. And it was so amazing because he wasn't saying like, yeah, you haven't, but you should probably start again, right? He was saying like, I know that you haven't been, but he didn't even say that. He was like, I know who you are. And he was speaking to my identity. And so for me, then I took that and I was like, wow, like God doesn't hold this against me. He knows what I've done, but he didn't say that. He just said who I am. And so moving forward, I was like, man, God sees that I have a heart for him, that I have a heart for his word and for time with him. And even though I haven't been doing it, he's telling me that that's who I am. And and so God so often will speak to us about our identity because he knows that we'll we'll live in the way that we believe about ourselves. And so he's continually in scripture and, and in secret moments with us just telling us about who we are and what he has for us. And, and it's just so powerful. And so often people are, are stuck in, in pornography or stuck in sin. And, you know, there's a scripture that says that, that Jesus has put, put our sin behind him in Isaiah. Or there's a scripture where it says, as far as the east is from the west is, is how far we are from our sin in the eyes of God. And so, like, we're stuck in, in, in addiction or stuck in porn or stuck in whatever the sin is. And we're going, how could Jesus really look at us or the Father really look at us and not see our sin? And I really believe that the best way I ever heard it put was that God doesn't look at us as if we've got like mud pies all over us or like we're dirty. Like we've got this stuff that's like on us where where there's dirt and he's got to take the dirt off. He looks at us as if there's holes in us and he looks like there's a hole in that person. He's lacking love. The reason why he's going to porn is because he's lacking love. I've got to go love him. I've got to fill that hole. Or that person is going to whatever the sin is because he lacks self-control. I've got to teach him about self-control. Or he lacks community. I've got to teach him about how to have community in a healthy way, bring people into his life. Rather than saying like, oh, that person just sins all the time and he sees the dirt on us. I think God looks at us as just like, I want to fill this person with my love. I want to fill this person with blessings. I want to fill this person with purpose and with plans and have them have the mindset of Christ rather than seeing the sin. So for us then to to agree with that and to look in scripture and look at, at what God has said to us and to get that established in us is so powerful. And so we want to talk about practical ways to do that, but also just look in, in the Bible and look at a couple of stories from, from Scripture of how other people have, have lived in knowing what their identity is. Yeah, an example would be Joseph, right? I think Joseph is a great example of what it means to live out of an identity that is given to us by God. And we see this in his life. I mean, he was a guy who, you know, went from being a favorite son all the way to being in prison and then eventually becoming an overseer of this home, this household led by this uh, important politician named Potiphar. And he was the head slave, essentially. So he had a lot of responsibility and a lot was entrusted to him. And he understood, though, that ultimately God had entrusted him much. 
and he was looking to steward what God had given him through Potiphar. And there was this situation that it kept occurring for him though day in and day out as he was doing this overseeing this household and that was Potiphar's wife kept trying to seduce him (laughs) day in and day out I can't even imagine what that would be like I mean that's a lot of pressure especially thinking about it that this woman of power of influence who could pretty much kill Joseph get someone to kill him just by a word right if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing she was asking him to do something and he kept refusing. I mean, that's that's gutsy, but he did it because he understood who he was, his identity. He kept living out of that. And eventually he was really tested, right? I mean, when she approached him this one day and she, it was not even just trying to seduce him. She was basically trying to pull him to bed and he had to actually flee the scene and he left his clothes behind because she ripped them off his body. <laughs> like he ran out. And I think it's so interesting. I mean, we don't really get the context and the, the, the full weight of this because back in those days, your clothing was worth way more back then than it is now. For us, I mean, we look at our in our closets and there's there's clothes, there's lots of them. And if we one gets wrecked, we throw it out and we go buy another one. But back then, you had usually one set of clothing. This was kind of your livelihood. I mean, this is where your, your value and wealth was really shown often was in, in what you owned as far as clothes. And for him, it didn't matter. This was a secondary thing to him versus the primary of following God based out of the identity that he had. So he left that clothes behind. He left that secondary stuff behind and he knew that it probably would come back to bite him because that was evidence that he was in the room with her, but it didn't matter. His identity was in God and he was entrusted with being a steward of this household and not taking Potiphar's wife to bed. He knew that was not part of who he was and what God was calling him to. So he was firm. No matter the pressure that was on him, he was firm in understanding what his purpose was because it was based in an identity. So this is something that we can learn from for sure. And it's amazing thinking of the representation of the cloak that that got stripped off of him when Potiphar's wife was grabbing onto the cloak or trying to grab him. And it's like you talk about his cloak, his, his clothing represented his status and, and the worth and the value and all of that back in that day. But when you go back in his life, he had a robe given to him when he was a teenager by his father because he was his father's favorite. And he had all these brothers that that hated him and gossiped about him and didn't like him. And they weren't the father's favorite, but he was the favorite. And so he had this robe that was given to him that was so special to him that it was just like this representation of how his father loved him. His brothers took that robe from him and they stole it. And imagine like the torment, the, the torture that he went through and having that robe taken from him, being sold by his brothers. You know, they were planning to kill him. They objectified him. They saw him just as a, you know, piece of meat or, or something of where they could get value. They could get money back. Then he gets sold. Then he gets sold a second time. Then he goes, you know, and he's falsely accused and he's tormented by Potiphar's wife. And all of these things happen. But how many times... In our pain, when we go through all of these things, do we look back at our life and go, well, back in in the day, I had value from this one thing. So I was like, I was a really good athlete or I was accepted in my work. I was really good at something that I did before I got fired or I had this relationship that that was really good and I haven't had something since so it could be like I had this robe back in the day and it was taken from me right Mm -hmm. and so then we go through this pain we get sold we get tortured we get people lying about us we get people accusing us of things we're treated as an object how many of us can relate to that and so we have pain in our lives where then we live from that 
And so then moving forward, you get another opportunity to prove yourself. And so Joseph, then he's given another cloak. I mean, think about that. He had been given a robe. It was special to him. It was taken from him. And now move forward, he's given a cloak again by his master. And now he holds so tightly to who he is in God and to his identity in God and to the who he is as a steward to steward well the things that God has given him that he's like you know what I'm going to be a righteous man I'm not going to live in sin and I would rather lose my cloak again than live in sin Mm -hmm. and so so often when we lose things in our life that we have found value in we're like man I just want to be another or an athlete again like I was then or I want another relationship like I had before or I you know want to do something to make the money that I used to make because I'm going to get my value or my worth from that well Joseph you can see he was like man I would rather flee from this sinful situation naked without clothes you know like mm-hmm. run out of this place anybody could see my see everything like I'm exposed but I would rather stand firm and not give in to sin because I know who I am and it's so interesting when you read the story of what he says to Potiphar's wife he's saying like everything that the master has he's entrusted to me and I'm I'm like the greatest one in this household and not from an arrogant way but from a standpoint of like I know that he has entrusted me with so much. And so when you look at that, you're going, he knows absolutely that he's a steward and that it's on him to take great care of the of the things that he's given responsibility for. And so he's like, I can't take this one thing that my master has, hasn't given me in his wife because that would be sinning against God. And so with us, so often we'll go like, there's sinful situations and we know that we should flee, but then we're like, oh, we hesitate or we're reluctant. And when we're established, like Braden was talking about, when we're established in our identity, we're firm, we're unshakable. We are absolutely solid in the decisions that we make. And so Joseph didn't hesitate. He was like, man, if I got to lose this cloak, I'm going to lose this cloak. Like, I don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. He didn't walk halfway to Potiphar's wife, wife's room, right, mm-hmm. with her thinking like, oh, maybe I should engage in this. I'm, I'm pondering it. Oh, I know I shouldn't, but I really want to. It would be great. Like, there was none of that because he was just established in his identity. And all throughout his story, it says God is with him. God is with him. God is with him. And the only way that you can be established in your identity is to have that close relationship with God. But when we're hesitant, when we're when we give in to sin or when we drop the ball a little bit or we live at a lower standard, it's evidence that we're not established, that we don't truly know who we are or that we're working on it, right? But we've got to do some more work to get fully established so, so that our default response is one that aligns with our identity. And so don't beat yourselves up if you're not there. I'm just saying those are like times where we hesitate or times where we give in to sin those are amazing opportunities for us to go, man, how is it that I could live more in the identity that God has given me in this situation? Yeah, and I think you unpacked that so well. For those of us, though, that are struggling with an addiction to things like pornography too, why we're bringing this up for you, and I mean, this is for everybody, but we need to have this as our first starting point of understanding how to get away from things like pornography and and get them out of our lives. Because if we try to do it out of an identity based in performance or our own strength, or if we have shame and we've taken that on, we put that on as a cloak that we've, we use as our part of our belief system about ourselves, or it could even be about, you know, that we're not accepted, we're unlovable. This is my lot in life. If we live out of those things, 
we're not going to get very far. We really aren't. We're going to stay stuck. We're going to be snared down and bogged down by those untruths. But having an identity in God, well, now we can start to move forward because it's in his strength. We have an understanding that in spite of the fact that I'm going through this, God sees me in a different viewpoint, a different light. And I can live out of that, that I'm adopted, I'm accepted, I'm loved. I am his, he is mine. And having that understanding, you know, then we're not looking at behavior modification. We're living out of a truth, a truth that shapes us from the inside out. Instead of trying to change the outside and hoping that changes, you know, the behavior and and that changes our heart, we need to change our heart first. And then that's when our behavior starts to match up to that. And for those of us that are battling an addiction, we've been trying so hard and so long with behavior modification, managing behavior, managing behavior. We get frustrated, we get defeated, and we just get really upset with the whole process. Well, really what we would say to you is like Joseph, be firm in your identity. And some of the things that you can do is what Matt was talking about, is spend time with God. Adopt some of those verses that speak about who you are and who God says you are and put your name in those verses. I think that's a great tip that I've heard in the past said is put your name in some of those verses about how you're loved, how you're cherished, how you're accepted, how you're affirmed, how you're confirmed, all those different things. And then you start to just let that sink in, take root inside of you. And at first it can be hard to receive that because we've told ourselves a lie for so long. Maybe people have said things over us for years and years and an addiction that's hanging over our head too. We start to believe that we are that, (laughs) you know, that we can't move past it. It's not true though. God speaks something different about us and we can start to, as we receive that, move away from those things like Joseph did. He was firm in understanding who he was and that's why he was able to move away from that situation where he was being tempted. You know, he understood who he was and the temptation, he wasn't battling that in his strength or trying to manage some sort of behavior in the moment. He just left because he knew that's not who he was. And I know this, this sounds like a real difficult thing to grasp, but it's central and it's something that takes time and a process, but this is where you need to start as your identity. Understanding who you are is so key and so important for us to, to just have healing and health and victory in our life over anything really absolutely yeah we can't afford to have thoughts in our heads about us or really about anybody but in this conversation about us that god doesn't think because if we do it's so damaging and i think back to to even jesus when you look at jesus at the start of his ministry he gets baptized and and the father says who he is like this is my son right and and then he spends 40 days in the wilderness comes out and the first thing satan says is if you are the son of god Right. And so it's like this, you are my son. And then Satan goes, well, if you are the son of God, and he starts to get him to question it, or at least tries to get him to question it. And, and, you know, a lot of people will say like the reason why Jesus fought off temptation is because he he threw scripture out there and he had scripture and he, he used, he used that in the spirit, right? Weapons of warfare. I think there's more to it. I think that Jesus spent 40 days with the father getting established in what God had said about him. And so now he comes out and Satan, Satan tempts him and he, like scripture is in him. He knows who he is. He's absolutely firm. And so how many of you listening have done what I've done where we throw out scripture and it just doesn't work. And we're like, oh, I, I tried that. Like I tried fighting temptation with scripture and it didn't work. 
well, it's because I'm not firm, like Brad saying, like I'm shaky in my identity. And Jesus wasn't hesitant. He wasn't like, oh, what do I, what do I say here? Like, what's the scripture I could use? And, and like saying something that you don't even know what it means, whatever. Like Jesus was like, no, I know absolutely who I am. And I know that I know the word of God and it's in me. And so he had done that because he spent 40 days with him. I think practical things for us to do is to put our names to scripture, like Braden was saying. I think it's so powerful. And I'll just give a couple examples. There's ones, there's scriptures that I really love for identity. And one is, is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. And it says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and they don't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. So like the heat of life comes, you feel the pressures like, oh, I'm feeling the heat or from whatever, right? Well, your leaves are always green. In other words, you stay emotionally and spiritually healthy. You don't get bitter. And then it says it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Like no worries in a year of drought. So there's the drought financially, relationally, job-wise, uh, drought from a self-esteem angle. There's drought in whatever it is in your life that's not, you're not prospering. But it says, but in that time, you never fail to bear fruit. And so what we can do is we can go, like, I am blessed because I trust in the Lord. My confidence is in him. I am like a tree planted by the water. I don't fear when he comes. My leaves are always green. I have no worries in a year of drought. I'll never cease to bear fruit, right? Second Corinthians 5 is another one that, that we love where it says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone, the new is here. But what I love is the verse before that, where it says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we don't do that any longer. And so what it's saying is, we used to regard ourselves and other people from a worldly point of view. So if I'm addicted to pornography or if I'm in sin, well, I'm an addict, right? So I regard myself as an addict or I've been free from my sin. And so for 20 years or the rest of my life, I say I'm a recovering addict. I don't think God would ever say you're a recovering addict. I don't think God ever says that you're a sinner. Oh, well, we all sin. You're just a sinner, right? I think God says you were a sinner, just like it says, we used to regard ourselves from a worldly point of view, but now we go, man, I am free. And so I think we can say like, man, I am in Christ. The new creation in me has come. The old me is gone. The new me is here because of the power of God in me, because Christ reconciled me to God. And so doing this really gets it more solidified in our hearts. Um, and then moving forward, so this is powerful in scripture to do this, to establish our identity but then when God says things about us, just like he said to Braddon, like there's plans that I have for you. I've got great things for you. Braddon could have ignored that and he could have argued it and got, nah, I don't, I don't believe that. Or when God said to me, like, I know that your heart is for me. I still know who you are. It literally took me a long time to just repeat that over myself. When I'd feel guilty, I'd go, no, God knows who I am. He knows that my heart is for him. He doesn't see me in the way that I see myself when I feel guilty. And so I'd have to repeat that over and over and over again to the point where it finally would get established in me where I didn't have to try to convince myself. But initially, it, it, even though I heard God's word, it wasn't established. And so practical things is put your name to scripture, listen to what God says about you, and then say that over and over and over again because God is continually telling us who we are so that for, we can live from that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So... We live out of, you know, that, that foundational core thing that we stand on, that truth that we are made right with God. And 
that is so powerful for us. It's a powerful truth. It really is. And then we start to move in that. We start to see movement in our life. And that's something that we encourage you with is to, as we were talking about those practical things that you can do right now to connect with God on a deeper level. And if for those of you that are listening and you're, you're, this is new to you, you're not a Christ follower, we would just say, I encourage you that there is a God who loves you. And there is a God that accepts you. You know, he has open arms for you. All that you need to do is come to him and believe upon his son, Jesus. And so we encourage you to look into that. And if you're feeling challenged by that um, and wondering how to do that, you know, please feel free to, to reach out to some of your Christian friends in your life if you have them, or if not, email us. But we'd love to talk with you more about that. But this is a foundational truth for us, especially for those of us that are listening that, you know, pornography is something that you've been dealing with now for a long time. This is a core step for you is to understand your identity it really is and it shapes the way that you view your battle too (laughs) it really does i mean instead of something that is unmanageable you're defeated you never think that you're going to be free now you know that this is in god's strength because he's the one who will lift you and rise you out of this you can't do it on your own you really can't and so understanding who you are is, is really important to understand your identity and we see this in the example we gave you with Joseph. And we, Matt and I, we've, we've been able to, to deal with this and see this in our own life of living out of this truth. And this has been one of the key things for us, probably the key thing for us in moving away from porn. It really is, is understanding our identity. Because otherwise, you know, for me, you know, when I wasn't doing that, really, I was just trying to manage a behavior. And I was trying to deal with it on a surface level in my own strength. And it was this kind of cycle of following and getting up again and falling and getting up again. And you just, you just beat yourself down doing that. And we know there's a process to getting healing in this, but part of the process, I mean, the the central key part of it is understanding who you are. And we're going to say right now in a confidence that you are not the labels that maybe you've given yourself, you know, that you're the shame that's covering over you, that you're defeated, that you're not accepted, that you're rejected. Those aren't true. And those aren't things that you should be living out of. So we encourage you today, receive what God has for you. And it's going to take time. We encourage you, though, to keep pushing forward, persevering. And as those truths sink into your heart, you're going to start to live out of those truths. So we want to just encourage you, bless you with that today. And thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.